Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Everybody, welcome to issue 17 of DC Primetime. Uh, with a lot to go over this week, some fantastic episodes of The Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow to review with you this week, as well as a lot of DC news. But before we go any further, I am, of course, Ben Beck from the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network. And I am Rob Martin from the Caffeine Crew and the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods podcast. And we have a third chair this week. First time in a couple weeks, actually, that we've uh, we've brought in somebody else. But this is somebody we've been uh, wanting to get on for a while. He is the host of the Beach Pod Health and Fitness Podcast right here on the Next Level Podcast Network, as well as my co-host of the show cast and one of the co-creators of the Next Level Podcast Network right along with me, uh, Adam Gorey. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad you... Um at least also mention the showcast because if you just said beach pod health and fitness that has nothing to do with comics <laughs> or television or television so, yeah. and this is nice too because i've heard about adam forever and a half and me and him have never got a chance to talk so and i'm an avid listener of the podcast except for uh like i said off air the legends of tomorrow part up until last week and then uh supergirl i'm still getting caught up on that by, by still getting caught up, I think you're on, what, episode three? Like three. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's look, okay. I have some time. <laughs> still a ways it's, to go. Yeah. I mean, don't worry about it. It's I think when we started the show, I jumped in at, like, saw the pilot. So we started, what, episode eight for when yeah, we I've... started talking about it. And uh, I still didn't watch, like, a good chunk of episodes beforehand. And I'm like, crap. And just had no, no knowledge of who anybody was and was just trying to play it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, so that one I started watching with my wife, which she watches Flash and Arrow as well. Uh, she was disinterested in the first few episodes of Legends, so that one I was able to just binge, which was kind of nice. Yeah, because I know you're usually the kind of person, you have, all the different times we've talked about this, uh, you know, while doing the other podcast and such, like, you were always afraid to watch The Flash because you knew, because your wife wanted to watch it with you. Yeah, I would be in trouble yeah. if I watched it first. <laughs> Uh, so I, we haven't had to ask this question in a while because we haven't had a third chair in a while, but since it's a first time for you on, uh, on the podcast, I didn't tell you we were doing this, uh, because I wanted a truthful answer. I wanted you to have to think about it or think off the top of your feet, but Uh if you had to choose your favorite DC superhero or villain, even who would it be? That's the flash. I figured as much. Without a doubt. Yeah. Okay. Now which flash? That's the question. Uh, well, I'm not, so I'm, I'm more like Ben, whereas I'm not a crazy into the comics or anything. Like I would always watch the cartoons and stuff when I was younger. Uh, and I, the flash by far is my favorite CW show. Okay. Uh, so it's kind of like, I gotta, I gotta, yeah. Okay, cool. So you got a nice kind of like knowledge back from like the Wally West animated stuff that they did and the, the current Barry with CW. Okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm. I, I love Barry, but I mean, we've talked about this before too. Like, I'm at least in the as far as the comic books go. Like, I'm so into Jay Garrick and Justice Society Flash. It's ridiculous. 
So. You just like the helmet. I, I I love the costume. I do. <laughs> I really do. So. And honestly, too, like uh, the the Jeff Johns run of JSA from years back is some fantastic writing too. So I mean, that's one of those ones for people out there that if they don't know much JSA, check it out. It's just wonderful reads. Yeah, yeah. We've gotten quite a few nods to it too in the in the Flash. So. Yeah, I mean, I, Chris, when we get to the Legends talk this week, I mean, I think, and between that and the news, I think we have a good idea who our, uh, our, our member is going to be joining the finale this week. So, so yeah, I so mean, we and, shall and see. A, I mean, Earth Earth 2, basically, in The Flash is pretty much just a society of America. Yeah, pretty it, much. It's pretty much that world. So, I mean, it's right where Jay Garrick is, a.k.a. Hunter Solomon, at this point, is coming from. I mean, and that's right where he came from, so. Uh, but let's move forward and we'll jump into our DC Essentials portion where we give each show the ranking of hero, sidekick, or uh, sidekick, hero, or legend. I want to do that in order, uh, going from worst to least. Uh, starting off first with The Flash, Season 2, Episode 21, titled The Runaway Dinosaur. Uh, and we'll start with Adam since he is our guest this week. What kind of rating would you give this episode this week? There are a few, if any, Flash episodes, I would not give a legend status to. Uh, so this one sidekick is right up there with yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, this one's right up there with all of them. It's an absolute legend for sure. All right, Rob, how about you? No questions asked. It's a legend. Yeah, I didn't think I would have to ask you as well. And it, the same goes for me. This is probably one of, if not my favorite episodes that they have ever done for this show. Uh, so if we had a ranking higher than legend, I would give it, but we don't. So it's a legend. Oh, you know what, too? And just I only got a chance to do it with this one episode because of the con structure this weekend. But uh, the poll I put up, too, on Twitter for it for the listeners, they also gave it a legend. So I'm okay. going to see if we can start doing that a little bit more so as we continue on. Maybe at least we'll kick that off next season. So. Yeah, I forgot that. we. I forgot you started doing that. I mean, it, we did get to it a little bit late in the season. Yeah, uh, we with did. The so so uh, we'll, with we'll the start that up normally in season three. Yeah. So. Uh, next up, we have Arrow, Season 4, Episode 21, titled Monument Point. Uh, and Rob, we'll go to you with this one. Uh, I'm going to give it a hero, but I will say it was a strong hero this week. I was teetering on the legend point, but uh, once I thought about it a little bit, there are a couple little hiccups this week. All right. Adam, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to give it a hero as well. I don't, like, overall, this season and last season haven't been my favorite of Arrow, but I do think this one was a little more back to... Uh, back to its roots, the parts that I liked in the first couple seasons. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a trifecta for this one as well. We're all on the same page. Uh, strong hero for me. I couldn't give it a legend. I tried. Uh, it's been a while since I've given an Arrow episode a legend category, but uh, at least like three or four weeks. But uh, And I wanted to, but I couldn't. So it's a strong hero. And finally, wrapping things up, we have Legends of Tomorrow Season 1, Episode 15, titled Destiny. And Adam, we'll go back to you for this one. This one's tough because it's either a high hero or a low legend, but I think I'm going to go legend, um, not to the level the Flash was a legend. If, if so, if legend has different levels, the Flash <laughs> is higher, but I'll still I'll still give it a legend. So legend minus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rob, how about you? Uh, I'm giving this a strong legend. I think this was one of the best episodes they've done this season. Um, I mean, his level of fun it really matched that like Jonah Hex episode. But just for what it did for the story and kind of seeing everything pulled together right before the finale, I mean, it was just exceptional. Um, I'm giving this one a sidekick. 
<laughs> I know why. I'm really not. It's um, <laughs> there's yeah, one thing that too. happens in this episode <laughs> that we'll we'll get to a little bit later, but uh, that it would earn a sidekick. Uh, actually, it's not even the episode would earn a sidekick. The writers would earn a sidekick, uh, but I can't. It's it's such a strong episode. It was so well put together. It's a legend. Yeah, but I, th- I think Rob has news on that later that I think is really the the moving point to that move. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. a very. And, very very pertinent story about that so. and it's actually news i wasn't even aware of before we started doing prep uh, yeah after this. i watched yeah after i watched the episode i was like no bullshit and i looked <laughs> yeah. this up and i was just like i need to find out what's really going on here because uh <laughs> that feels like how to kill a show in six seconds or less yeah yeah exactly uh but if you're wondering what we're talking about we will get to that a little bit later on in the podcast however before we start with the secret origins uh portion of the podcast where we break down uh and uh go over the episodes uh there was a big piece of news in uh in news this week uh that i figure we'll talk about rather than save it for um uh the you know what i called it dc essentials didn't i in the beginning it's dc bullet point so sorry i'm correcting myself dc essentials is the news so rather than save this story for the news we're going to talk about it right now since it is a topic of this podcast uh that we on a weekly basis do go over and that is the fact that for the past couple weeks we have been wondering the fate of supergirl we didn't know if it was getting renewed and if it was getting renewed whether or not it was going to stay with cbs or move to the cw and it has been confirmed supergirl has been renewed for a season two and is moving to the cw which I'm very surprised they did the CW move. I didn't think that CBS was going to willingly do it, but I guess like the the cost cutting measures made sense, and I'm really happy to see it now part of the CW lineup. I I think this is a move. This is where this show. This is where the home of this show should be. Yeah, I agree uh, for sure. Um, it does fit in better with that. Uh, you know, all these caliber of shows with the Flash and Arrow and, and Legends. Uh, I think this is where the show should have been to begin with. And I know a lot of people, it's been argued from a a couple people on Facebook when I posted this, uh, you know, that this is, this is going to be a rough move for the show. And I don't really think so. Uh, one of the major reasons as to why was the budget. And I think, you know, it did have a high budget in, I think we talked about this last week. Uh, the budget of the show was was through the roof, and yeah, it's like something like two to three million per episode. And I think wasn't the pilot like twelve million or something like uh, that? Was, something probably in the, that range. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yes, it was a very expensive produced show, but you have to figure the cost of production in Los Angeles where they shot is ridiculous. Uh, but and but CBS had the access, had the budget to do something like that. Now production is moving to Vancouver, which is going to cut costs. It's going to be going to the CW, which means they will have that's going to save on production costs as well. So I I don't think the the cost of the show is going to affect it. I don't think it's going to be a three to four million dollar an episode show anymore. Easier no I, crossovers too. Yeah, I mean the one thing I did read a little bit today, there was some follow up about that. That there is talk that they may be losing two to three cast members. So that's what I'm I was wondering. Of. Wondering who that may be. If um, I had to pick one, and maybe maybe she's already off, and I don't know because I'm not caught up at all. But um, who's her boss? What the heck? Oh, Calista Flockhart. I'm, yeah. I'm really hoping that's not the person we lose in this mix because she's been kind of a breakout from the midpoint of the season on. Um, and we've mean, you know, Ben have been talking many a times and some of the best moments that have come out of that show have actually been a lot of the scenes between Kara and her. So I'm I'm really, really hoping they do what they can to make sure they save her. I mean, whether that means like wind goes away 
or you see like you know um lucy lane go away things like that happen i think it would be okay but i'd be really worried if they made moves like getting rid of like hank henshaw and all that so i it's, think uh, I, it'll I, be I interesting think... I think a, um, a decent move would be, I don't think we're going to see, uh, see, I can't say this because Adam's not nearly to this point yet. So you want me to take my headphones off for a minute? <laughs> no, it's, uh, I'll put it this way. The big reveal about Hank Henshaw um, that comes later on in the season, I don't think we're going to see as much of that because that is a high cost uh, production. So we may not see that as much, uh, but I mean, I can see... I, um, Lucy Lane, I could see going away. Uh, I I don't know about Win, and obviously Jimmy's not going to go anywhere. Right. I mean, I think one of the big things is a lot of people even had some speculation of if she is now in the full CW DC universe, maybe they do something really intense in episode one if they have to make some major show changes that we see her go to Earth too, or a different Earth, and it happens to be this Earth that where we're dealing with Flash and Arrow and all these characters. Which now we know they, they can do a lot more often because they are uh, in the same, you know, they're all part of the same family now. They're all part of that same CW family. Yeah, so, so I mean, I, I would be very curious to see how they're going to shake that up. I know so. another, I know before we move on real quick, another uh, blurb from somebody was that they were wondering where she's going to fall now in the CW schedule. And when somebody had mentioned Friday and they said, no, you can't put this show on yeah. Friday. No, nah, I think it's going to stay Monday, on Monday. Right? I would assume. I would say I, it... I would say Monday, or actually, in my honest opinion, a stronger move would be to put it in the nine o'clock time slot on Tuesday. Um, because Flash and Arrow seem to be, or Flash and Supergirl seem to be the two that are most likely going to cross over more often with each other, since Barry has the ability. We are. It's already been revealed that she is a different Earth. Barry is the one that does have that ability to cross over. So it's. I think it, it makes sense to keep those two back to back, whether she's on Monday night or she's moved to after Flash on Tuesday, uh, because you move her to nine o'clock on Tuesday after Flash. That's a strong lead in for Supergirl. Unfortunately, I think you won't see that because I want to say that's Vampire Diaries or the originals, which is some of their better rating sh- like shows that are pulling in decent ratings. So I don't think we'll see that happen. Yeah, but yeah, they, I think uh, Containment got dropped. So Thursday after Legends. Oh, yeah, you're, you're right. But sh- but the shows like the Vampire Diaries and, you know, the originals, they already have the fan base that if they were to move them to a different night, those fan bases would follow. The only reason I don't think Vampire Diaries will move is because it is, I think, going into its final season. Um, so I think they'll probably keep that yeah, locked. Move it to the one hundreds, <laughs> the one hundreds, just to wrap, uh, just about to wrap on Thursdays, and then you know, like iZombie is a mid-season kind of show show start. So I'm really curious to see how this is going to change up their schedule. So I think we're just going to have to wait probably till like somewhere like mid-summer before they make any announcements. Uh, well, I mean, no. if Vampire Diaries is in its final season, move it to Friday. It ain't going to hurt it. Yeah, move it to Saturday. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so, Overall, I do think it's a good move, though. I'd rather see it on CW than CBS. Like it just doesn't fit. C, uh, CBS's other shows like it it's like which one of these is not like the other and Supergirl right. is always the answer I really that, would just love for them to just do Monday night at 8 o'clock and then yeah. you know find one more show to cap out like a Friday night that would be really strong yeah and oh yeah that, Monday awesome. through Friday man at 8 o'clock that, just, just be fantastic we just need that Booster Gold TV show for Friday night uh, we'll get to that later <laughs> did they ever think about doing a Jonah Hex one or were they just putting him in there for like a little. Uh, I think they said he's coming back for Legends at least in season two uh, as a side character every once in a while, but okay. yeah, no, no news of other any other spinoffs. And I think now with Supergirl, I don't think we're going to see any more 
probably uh, for at least the time being. Yeah, probably not. And I know one other point that you had made mention to, uh, Rob, when this first came out. Uh, one other bonus to this means that Supergirl episodes will now be part of Hulu. Uh-huh. And no longer on the crappy C- uh, CW, uh, CBS app that stutters no matter what how good your internet connection is. So CBS, not a sponsor. Be, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I'm very very happy about that, and not having to watch a little craptastic screen, like you know, stream somewhere or set up a laptop to the TV just to do that. So that'll uh, be nice. Plex. <clears throat> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> That's how I watch all my Supergirl. Uh, but let's move forward into the Secret Origins portion of the podcast, where we actually break down and discuss each of the episodes. Starting off first. Uh, and we always start with the strongest first, instead of saving the best for last, but it's just the way the shows fall. We can uh, change it up if we want to this week, because those two episodes are going to eat a lot of time. <laughs> so so how do we want to do this, then? What order do we want to go? Well, Legends I, I, is closest th- to the finale. I think we should just knock Arrow out of the way, because I think we're it's going to get lost in the mix between the Flash and Legends talk. Okay, that works. So. We can, I don't uh, like shaking it up like that sometimes, but I I feel bad for Arrow because it did some good things this week, and I think we're just going to skip over it to get to the big discussion. So okay, that's fine. Yeah, because we last week we spent a lot of time on Flash. Oh yeah, we were on it for like thirty minutes. So yeah, <laughs> it's hard not to. It, yeah, so, I know. So good, absolutely. All right, so, so we'll we'll jump to we'll go a little out of order this week, starting off first with Arrow season four episode twenty one titled Monument Point. When Team Arrow learns what Damian Dark's next move is, Felicity realizes she needs to ask her father, Noah Cutler, uh, a.k.a. The Calculator, for help. Noah and Oliver have a heart-to-heart talk that leaves Oliver rattled. Uh, So a number of different things that we saw in this episode. First off, we saw the return of The Calculator, as mentioned in the synopsis. Uh, We did see Malcolm go into the underground city to meet with Thea, uh, in which we were introduced to Malcolm's fake hand, yeah. yeah, we we saw we saw it in the background in one or two scenes, but never could get a, get a really good shot of it. So I think this is the first time we got a close up. Yes, uh, we returned to the flashbacks. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. yay! <laughs> oh, so exciting. Uh, we got a little bit more backstory as to the aftermath of Laurel's death and what it means to Quentin and his job on the on the force. Uh, we saw a reunion of some older characters, including Vinnie Jones as Danny Brackwell and Anarchy as well, who returned to the, uh, to the show. And, uh, also, uh, we had Murmur, uh, popping around in the background there too. So I couldn't remember his name. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was nice because we were talking, uh, the last couple of weeks that this show felt like they had no rogue scout rebuilt. And this episode was like, Hey, look, it's everybody that's still alive, yes. you know? <laughs> and, uh. Yeah, it was nice to see that. I think Vert- uh, Vertigo is still out, out there and about somewhere, but uh, I, I we haven't seen much of him since I think the beginning of this season. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to see that they did kind of start pulling some villains together. Yeah, and of course to round things out for the episode, not really to round things out because it was rather unfortunate, but we did see a number of uh, we did see a little bit of a disaster strike at the end of the episode as well, which I have a feeling is going to have some severe consequences for Felicity's character as this show rolls on into the finale next week. Uh, But those are some of the key notes, so let's break the episode down a little bit further. And uh, let's go over what do we think some of the stronger points of this episode are before we go into some of the weaker ones. Uh, Well, I did like one thing we talked about last week was after Diggle did kill his brother... 
that they were going to kind of stretch that out a little bit. And while that wasn't kind of dealt with, we did see Ollie really bringing that up to him, saying this is not the right move. You shouldn't be keeping this from Lila, especially everything that you guys have been through. And that kind of just echoed back to our conversation last week. So I'm happy that Ollie's actually been pretty positive through everything that's been going on. Um, that they're not having him slide backwards. And you know you're seeing that going on with Diggle. We know we're going to see it next week with Felicity. So it's nice to see him be the like I said, the beacon of hope that they teased about a couple weeks ago. Um, so it's nice to see Ollie really kind of staying, you know, up front and positive as the leader of the team. Yeah. It's one of those, it's one of those situations where I'd like to see Felicity turn to Diggle and say, you know what? Toughen up. Uh, you killed your brother. I killed tens of thousands. Yeah, pretty much. You know, it's, it's, but as I said, it's going to be some severe consequences. Uh, Adam, how about you? What were some of your favorite moments from this one? Well, I think the fact that it was a very Felicity centric episode was pretty good. It was nice, like so. I I was on Rob's side where the whole Oliver Felicity thing. I hated that. I was not a fan at all, um, and was also really like had to take a step back when they decided to kill off uh, Black Canary. So um, it was nice to see them kind of on doing their own thing again, like not all this melodrama with the romanticism and everything like that. So I think it, I think it actually made each of their characters stronger in this episode. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. I think it really harkened back to, it felt like season one arrow. It felt right. like all about the core team. Cause you know, Thea's off in, you know, the underground world here and it's leaving us with the original three from season one. So it was really nice to see that play out again that way where there was no, nothing getting in the way of, you know, the the BS on the team. It was there was no like I said relationship talk any of that stuff. Not even a nod to it. It was wonderful to see for a change. I think yeah. I think one of the things that has hurt this show over the past couple seasons are the relationships. Not and I don't mean the relationships between team members. I mean relationships between these characters, like love relationships. I I, I didn't like. I I grew very weary and I grew out of the whole you know, Owlicity phase very quickly. I got tired of that. And even Thea and Alex, um, I was kind of happy to kind of see that come to an end this Tim week. Tim Tebow. The guy looks just like Tim He Tebow. does look like Tebow. Yeah, yeah he kind of does. I didn't even realize that. Well, like uh, we, we even said last week, he's he was going to get written off quick and, we, you know, not even an episode through, man. I mean, and thank God. <laughs> But, I mean, is he dead? Because it's not really exactly explained. Oh, yeah, no. She was crying over his corpse after checking his pulse. He's dead. But, I mean, she could be apologizing for him just being injured. Or being dead. Or being dead. That that is what I took it as, but I don't know. It's not really explained, is he dead? They could have made it more obvious. I do agree there, but I'm pretty sure he's dead, too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I could see it. I'm, uh, that, at least that's what I'm hoping, <laughs> is that Alex yeah. is dead. Because I need... Uh, these relationships are weakening the show. Yeah, they so. really are. I mean, and, you know, they're already kind of pushing this weird little stretch. Like, they're, they're I love John Berriman, but even they're using him now as this, I'm here solely to protect my daughter. And that's all he's doing anymore. I mean... Yeah, for like two know, seasons. He, yeah, and he was so awesome to watch in season one and the things that were happening in the background of even some of the season three stuff, which was ultimately a, not that great of a season, but his stuff was at least fun to watch. Um, but the, all the stuff that they've been doing now with that overprotective insane father thing is it's getting a bit much. So yeah, I, I agree. I, that's one thing that I had noted. Like I, I just think I'm hoping either moving forward or next season, they kind of either do more with him and his character and kind of expand it a little bit or just have him leave for a while like they did in season two. 
Yeah, like save them up, build them up, and then when something horrible goes on, and they're like, "Who's behind this?" and you say, "It's Malcolm Merlin." Yeah. Awesome. They, they, they really could have left him as Roz for another season if they wanted to. Yeah, I mean that would have been fine too. Just have him in the background plotting something even bigger, and then that was it. Yeah. So I mean, he's almost. Uh, I I don't know if it's a good comparison or not, but Malcolm's almost very Vader esque. Uh, you know, with Damien Dark being the emperor to, you know, kind of compare to Star Wars and that he's now that's a bad, that's a bad, he's more like Luke. He's got a robot hand. One. <laughs> no, I wasn't even, I would say he, I was going to say, if you're going to say he's Vader to the emperor's Luke, he's more like the Hayden Christensen Vader right now. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say it that way, but right now that's exactly kind of how he feels. Or, or I mean, he feels like a lesser number two from, you know, Austin Powers at this point. Well, I think I actually I just thought of a better comparison of of Malcolm Merlin. I think Malcolm Merlin is, and this is just going to show you how much of a nerd I really am. Uh, this is Malcolm Merlin is the Star Scream to uh, sure. Damian Dark's Megatron. Actually, that, that's kind of dead on. It actually in, does work for this in that he's waiting for his time to take over, but in the meantime, he will do whatever he can to save his own ass. Yeah, yeah. That, that actually works incredibly well. So. Uh, but again, letting my nerd flag fly on that one. So, uh, but again, like I said, we mentioned we saw the death of uh, of Alex. Hopefully, that's what we saw was the death of Alex. Uh, another thing worth mentioning too that I didn't expect is Felicity voted out of Palmer Tech. Well, I mean, it just pure negligence. If you're a CEO and you're <laughs> never there, like let's think about how many times or scenes we've seen her at there, unless she needed to steal something or take something from like Echo Column, and that was it. I mean, she hasn't really done much. Like, she had her board meeting where she walked, but I don't think we've seen a strong scene of her running that company since then. Well, I assume she'll be back, right? With the smoke technologies thing from Legends, at least. I would assume so. I mean, they've got to build to it some way, shape, or form. So, unless this is all in the Time Master's goals. So, we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This is all part of the Oculus. Um, I don't know if it meant anything, but we got a mention of Ravenspur, and I don't know if that's a nod to anything in the comic books or if that was just a name they came up with for the cabin. Uh, they, I rocked oh, Google. I didn't see anything. Yeah, I think that was something new. I was thinking for a second the town you were talking about next to Monument Point. Uh, oh, Haven Rock. Yeah, and that's actually Havencraft or Haven uh, Havencroft, I think, in the comics. So they just made a slight tweak to it. So. But that was the only odd, weird connection I could find this week. That was like an odd nod to something. Because I was trying to remember because the city sounded, or the town sounded familiar. But yeah, it was a slight change on the name. But yeah, yeah Ravenspur, I think, was just something new. And it was something that they mentioned and they brought up, but we didn't even see it in this episode. We saw the woods outside of it. That's about yeah. it. Oh, so. that's true. Yeah, that, I forgot. That's where they went. That's where it was. It was like was. that real, real little quick thing. But it was nice to see the calculator back this week. I actually do kind of enjoy what they're doing with him. In that he's almost a a good guy. Uh, well, it's one of those things that it's you kind of like they kept kind of harking on that point where it's just kind of like he's trying to do the right thing because think about it, he's kind of like the opposite of Malcolm Merlin. He's trying to do the right thing, but you can still see him doing something nasty next season, and I think yeah. that's probably what's going to happen. It's the gain the trust because you can see how interested he was on who Ollie was and all of these people and trying to figure those things out and using that against them is a very calculator move. So, I think that's what we're going to build to and I think we're going to see him play a bigger factor next season. So, do we know if um 
and Adam, you might know this better uh, than I do, but do we know, is Bamford still in charge of fight choreography of Arrow, or has he, has he moved on to something else? As far as I know, he's still the stunt and fight coordinator, uh, which because, I thought the stunts were really good this year. Well, that's what, that was the next point I was going to bring up. I thought the fight scenes, more particular uh, with Thea and Anarchy, and also Arrow versus, uh, you know, Oliver versus Brickwell, I thought the fight scenes were awesome this week. Actually, I think the one that made me just kind of have a quick little jaw drop was uh, the plain clothes Ollie on in the stairwell. Yeah, that was, a, that was it was sweet. it was fast. It was like twenty seconds, but just the movement and the this how visceral it looked looked fantastic. Yeah. Like for a minute, for a second, I had that little flash of Daredevil season one the hallway fight in my brain. And uh, yeah, the the choreography this week really stood out. Like especially because the last couple of weeks, yeah, I don't think we've seen as much strong stuff, but this week really really stepped it back up. Uh, and even um, you mentioned, you know, Daredevil in the stairwell, but also almost right out of Civil War, uh, you know, the Bucky and Captain in the stairwell, mm-hmm. it was, you know, very similar to that. And I'm looking to I don't see his name listed, which kind of is disappointing. His but... Twitter says designer of fight action on WB's arrow. So oh, so I guess he is. Maybe he's According just not to listed. him. He still is. So. Uh, but uh, yeah, I thought the stunts were really strong this week, especially in the in the fight scenes. I think I, I was waiting for a moment almost to see Spartan kind of go off the deep end uh, in, you know, in his attempts at the, in the same scene at the end where they're at where they were, uh, you know, while Arrow's taking care of Brickwell and, uh, you know, and such. I, I thought with Spartan fighting his way up the up the stairwell, I was waiting for him to have a moment of just snapping somebody's neck. And yeah, I, actually, I was thinking for a second when he looked across at Lila, I thought we were about to see Murmur come up and put li- a bullet in Lila's head because we saw him slink off for a second during that fight and you didn't know where he was going yet. And you saw Diggle rising up the steps and looking across and I thought that was just the end of her for a second, but kind of happy they didn't go in that direction. Oh, I'm really happy they didn't yeah, go in that direction. Yeah, I had that same thought too, though. I was like, oh no, Diggle's going to feel regret for telling her a lie now. They're going to kill her and I'm glad yeah. they didn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was really worried just because of, again, some of the melodrama in the last couple of weeks, and that would have just been like, well, there's the icing on the cake, you know? Yeah. I mean, if that were the case, I mean, if Lila died, I mean, uh, that's like one of those moments where the first thought in my head is Diggle's going to end his own life at this point, you know, because that's too much for one person to handle. Yeah. I always wonder who watches their kid. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's true. Who babysits the, the – who babysits – uh, what the hell's the uh, – isn't it Sarah? It, it's it's it Sarah. Sarah. Oh yeah, it is Sarah. Yeah, it's Sarah. That's right. But yeah, it's yeah. You make you do wonder that. Now I guess there's you know good good a good child center in Argus. Yeah, <laughs> that's about all I've got. They have a good daycare. Yeah, that's it. Um. So before we get into the very end of the episode, obviously, which is the the largest and probably one of the strongest moments of the show. Anything we're missing from maybe the first half or the first three I... first two quarters of the. Uh... I personally that forgot that Quentin and Donna were dating for a while. Like, was yeah. she at the funeral? Because I, I don't remember seeing her, but maybe I'm just forgetting. I, I I don't remember if she was, actually, come to think of it. I mean, it's very possible. I would assume she would have been there for Quentin, at least. But I think I have to go back and kind of watch that episode yeah, a little bit check. and see if she she's peering around the back corner or something. But she didn't have any speaking lines. I think this is the first time I remember seeing her in a few weeks. So Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like I said, that conversation was kind of odd. Um, it seems like these are people that have been together for years. And I'm like, it's been, what, in the timeline of the show, maybe a matter of months that they've been dating? 
Yeah, it's certainly within this season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we do go by the timeline now that's been revealed on, you know, as we mentioned, Legends jokingly. But, I mean, we did see, uh, you know, Star City 2166. Um, was it 2166 or 2066? I think it's 2046, isn't it? It, it is 2046. You're right. I'm, off on bo- I'm wrong on both counts. <laughs> 2166 uh, is, I think, when Savage was that's uh, it. Yeah. killed. Uh, what's his face? Killed, kid. killed uh, Rip's, or his, uh, Rip's uh, yeah, wife, wife and son. And uh, but, you know, we did see at one point, uh, it is mentioned that Captain... Is it Captain... No, it's... Uh, yeah, I think it's Captain Lance is killed. Mm-hmm. Um, we know now that's obviously not going to be Laurel because Laurel is is dead. Um, so I, are we to believe that, that he is still going to keep his job on the force? I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's hey, he did the right thing, and they overlook everything and say yeah, you know the affidavit that you signed and your thoughts on this, we 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 back you. I think what it is is you need to have like this glowing moment from the heroes at the end of the season to kind of redeem him. I think that's what's going to be. He's going to fight alongside them and the police force kind of maybe rallies behind him. Okay, that would make sense. Yeah, I mean, I, lo- I love Paul Blackthorne and the character, and I feel like if they didn't have him go back to the force, that there would just be nothing else for them to do with the character. I mean, they'd have already, like, I, I don't know, they've just taken a lot away from him to this point. So I, I don't know, I'm hoping that he's almost like, not he- not quite to the point of Barrowman, but I'm hoping they can find a way to make his character a little more uh, centric to the storyline. He becomes, yeah, I mean, he becomes the new van driver for Yeah, I was about to Arrow. say, he was going to be the new van driver. He, he, he pulled driver duty in this episode. Nobody because, I really hope they don't make him van driver next yeah. season. But Well, I mean, it would, it would help because Felicity tends to hit people with the van. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, or almost hit people with the van in this case with her dad. And, you know, Spartan can't see very well through his real, little weird T-shield. <laughs> hey, but. we've been hearing for a while he's getting a new helmet, so I'm waiting for it. Yeah, I hope so. I hope next season you, you, you see his upgrades finally from Cisco. He's been working on them for, since King Shark, so yeah. we'll, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. Um, and as uh, Adam would know, too, when we spoke with Falk Henshaw about it, you know, we were saying, you know, we were mentioning it, and Falk Henshaw's like, yeah, but let's be honest, it's a badass helmet. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> took him three seasons, but he got one. It took him three seasons to get it, and Falk Henshaw got a Hulk, Hulkman costume in his first episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then taken away from him an episode later, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but again, uh, before we wrap things up with this, we have to talk about the ending with the missile strike and the launch of the nukes, the many, many nukes, uh, which was Project Genesis uh, from uh, Damien Dark in his intent to wipe out life on the planet, with which seemed very quick moved into that because we just got the reveal of the underground city. I don't even think the city was full yet. And they're already launching these nukes. Yeah. So, I mean, this was something I felt maybe could have even been saved for the finale. But, I mean, but then again, then you have to follow up with, you know, defeating Damien Dark at the same time. There was one thing that really bothered... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Okay. (laughs) Um, One thing thing that, that drove me nuts, though, too, was the idea of Murmur and Brick helping them out. And it's just kind of like, okay, now go take them down before they turn off, you know, what's happening with Project Genesis. And their whole idea of being there with Dark was to not die in the apocalypse. So why would they go willingly go out of that city during the, like, what, 20 minutes before the apocalypse? It made (laughs) no sense in my brain. I'm like, what are they doing? I'm like, these are the worst minions ever. Well, it's, 
that's exactly the point. They're stupid. Damien's not. And like Damien, he, Damien has these guys written off as if like if anything happens to them in the in the process of everything, it, it doesn't really affect him. The, these no. guys are just they're, uh, you know, they're they're henchmen that if anything happens, it doesn't bother him at all. That's true. So I assume this is just like this week. What was it, Russia or something that he? I assume that was the country that it was, or. I don't know if it was like a made-up country or what, but um, I guess it was more like just like a show of power until he decides to unleash the rest of them. Because you know why? Why have any villain do something quickly and just drag it out instead? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I mean, we see by the end of the episode that with help from her father, the calculator, uh, they are able to prevent the launches of all but one nuclear missile which uh is headed right for monuments point in which uh, i have to be corrected from something i said last week i thought that the underground city was going to be monuments point and it turns out monuments point is an actual city in this world Mm -hmm. so uh in order to save the millions of people that are living in monuments point and are completely oblivious to this nuclear missile coming in a in a bit of genius, but also bad luck from Felicity, she shifts the GPS signal to make it seem like it, uh, it to make the missile think it's hitting Monuments Point, but in return, it actually hits Haven Rock, which we had mentioned earlier, uh, which still does kill tens of thousands of people. And which, at the very end of the episode, we are seeing Damien Dark absorbing the souls of those tens of thousands of people. It's that you're going to need a bigger arrow. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. I will say this. I I really do love Damien Dark in this season, though. He's been a lot of fun to watch. I I agree. I think he's one of the the strongest um, villains this show has had in the four seasons, with the exception of Deathstroke. Though Deathstroke was actually a a really good villain for the show as well. I'm curious, like, his idol, like, what's the range on that thing? Because I felt like, the one in the flashbacks, the meaningless flashbacks, uh, you know, it, it was the, the people that were dying were like in the immediate immediate vicinity, whereas it seems Dark's idol, if somebody dies anywhere, he seems to get the power from it. Unless well, it's just like if he kills them, if he gets, you know what I mean? Well, don't forget the difference this time, too, is whereas the, the, the idol was underground, uh, there weren't any lives within proximity of it other than the ones that were in direct contact with the idol so those were the ones that were being taken out but now the idol is in another mystical nexus yeah i was gonna say that's i just thinking of that it's in that special place yeah they brought up the 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 idea of the ley lines uh the magical ley lines when they brought up vixen this episode and that, that would be my guess is that's how they're getting around that idea yeah so it'll be very interesting i'm almost assuming oliver is going to come in contact with some kind of magic of his own uh, I, that's the only way I can really s- see him defeating Dark at this point is is tapping into some kind of magic, uh, um, in some way. Yeah, and I don't know. If, did you? I don't know if you guys mentioned it last week, but I I remember with uh, when he was doing his magical power training or whatever, and he had those flash flashes when the darkness was around him. We saw that part where Tiana's eyes glow last week, and then it it actually happened this week. Yeah, I was, we were we were even saying last week. I think real quick that we saw something from the flashbacks that it hasn't hasn't happened yet, which was that was we did see that this week during after a rider seemingly was taken down. But well, it's a wait and see. But even still, I don't think anybody of us really cares too too much no. what's going to happen with 
it this season or next. So yeah, With, yeah. like I feel like her eyes glowing at the end should have been like, oh wow, what's going on with her? And I, I just don't care. I've yeah. kind of written off the flashbacks to be yeah. honest with you. I would rather than pull a lost and do like flash forwards at this point. Yeah, that's what I was kind of hoping too. I mean, Christ, I, we were even saying uh, earlier this season it would have been interesting to see in the future what happens to. Ollie's son, and maybe he was the next Green Arrow, or they they made him Connor Hawk before we knew about the you know Star City twenty forty six stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I was kind of hoping that's where they were going to go with it, but alas. Uh, so looking forward to the um, not the finale, but the penultimate episode of Arrow. Uh, which is the episode before the finale titled Lost in the Flood. Following the shocking events in the previous episode, which was this current one, Oliver and Diggle race to rescue Thea while Felicity, Curtis, and Noah join together to stop Dark. Uh, It's going to be cool to see Curtis coming back. Uh, Just looking at this synopsis as well. Uh, Curtis Holt, played by Echo Kellum, who I want to see him become Mr. Fantastic so bad. Uh, and I will tell you, I watched the promo for next week's episode. It does look pretty good, but I made the mistake of putting in um, season two, episode 22. And I watched a promo that had um, uh, Summer Glau coming back as Deathstroke's daughter. <laughs> oh, Ravager, yeah. As yeah. Ravager. And I was like, wait a minute, she's still she's coming back next week? And then I realized <laughs> I was watching season two. So, uh, but... Let's yeah exactly, but let's move forward now. Staying with uh, still going out of order, but uh, moving on to Legends of Tomorrow, episode, season one, episode fifteen, titled Destiny. Being in the vicinity of the Time Masters leaves Rip and Rory incredibly disturbed for very different reasons. Meanwhile, Sarah takes over the Wave Rider. Kendra is reunited with Carter, and Snart decides he might be a hero after all. Oh, I don't like that last line anymore. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> uh, but we do get to see a uh, couple notable things worth mentioning in this episode before we break it down into detail. Uh, the episode begins with a little bit of a Back to the Future moment, which I really loved, with uh, flashing back to when Rip originally picks up the team and they have to decide, in which we get to see Jax come back, the present-day Jax come back to talk to Stein almost the same way Marty did uh, Doc Brown in Back to the Future. I loved it. And I love the fact that it was him that basically implanted that idea basically in Stein's brain to roofie him. So yeah. I, all of a sudden, everybody's gripe about that from episode one is no longer valid. So, And it makes you realize, too, and I know we're getting out of order already because I haven't even gone over other points, too. But it makes you realize it's such a brilliant realization when you realize the moment Stein sent Jax back in time with the jumper is because he knew he would be back. Yeah, he he knew he would find the way back because he remembered in the ba- in his mind, Jack's coming to him. It's all like a big time loop that had to happen. He knew he had to send Jack's back not only to fix him because it's that moment at the end when he says, uh, "You know, did you miss me?" And he's like, "You know, right on time," or "Or am mm-hmm. I late?" Yeah, and he's like, "No, you're right on time." It's like that. It's that moment when you realize, okay, this was planned. This was awesome. Yeah, they did a beautiful job with this episode because they just screwed with us constantly, left and right. I mean, everything that you thought you knew about the show completely flipped on you. Yeah, this is a total mind-blowing episode. Like, yeah. you, it, you almost have to watch it again to make sure you're catching everything. Yeah, exactly. And But, I mean, you know, as we mentioned, you know, going into some of the notable things, as you mentioned, we find out that um, the... 
uh, Rip and the rest of the team are pretty much just pawns in the, uh, the Time Masters game in that they have total control over everything through something called the Oculus, which comes into play a little bit later on. Uh, we get to see Mick return to being Kronos, or does he? Uh, and that's exactly how I wrote the note. <laughs> I wrote it dot, 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 or does he? Question mark. Uh, we get to see a pretty awesome jailbreak from everybody. Um, uh, we knew we go into Stein letting Jax go because he knew he would be back. Uh, Jax returning to help everything out. And, of course, by the end of the episode, we get to see the Oculus. We get to see the fate of the Oculus. We'll leave it like that until we get to that moment. Uh, but going back to the beginning of the episode, as I mentioned, I loved the whole Back to the Future kind of nod with everything. Uh, you know, I was almost waiting for the Back to the Future music to hit and it to be continued <laughs> to pop up afterwards, <laughs> like it does in Back to the Future. Oh, they can uh, always do it at the end of this week if they wanted to. So that's that's very very true. Uh, I don't know, Rob. I'm sure you probably picked up on it, Adam. I'm not sure if you did either. Not being as big a fan of the comic books, uh, but we got a mention from the Time Masters of um, Thanagor, which I thought was a nice little nod. Thanagor yeah. is Google help me on that one. Actually, <laughs> uh, I did look it Thanagor. up. Uh, Thanagar, not Thanagor. Oh, Thanagar, sorry. I, I can't read my own handwriting. Uh, which is from the Hawkman mythos. It's actually, it's a race of aliens. They're actually the ones who discovered the Nth Metal, which is what makes up their weapons. Yes, it's actually where Nth Metal, uh, pretty much like that's one of the biggest deposits of Nth Metal in the galaxy is the planet Thanagar. And it is pretty much all, you know, inhabited by the warlike Hawk people. Uh, and we have known in the past in DC continuity that the stories for Hawkman and Hawkgirl were retconned to be Thanagarians at a point. Um, they've done a, that's why, like I said, the downside of the the Hawks have always been difficult to deal with because, like, are they from Thanagar? Are they the Egyptians? And you never can quite tell based on who's writing them at the time uh, which direction they're going to go. So I am wondering if they are going to tie in uh, Carter and Kendra into the Thanagar, uh, Thanagarian race. So that'd be kind of cool to see. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a nice little reference. Um, but I mean, again, it's it's what we're finding out is that the the scenes that Rip originally showed the team when he recruited them, uh, in which becomes of the world, you know, 150 years in the future, in uh, what he led the team to believe is the fault of uh, Savage is actually because of the Thanagarians. And it's Savage, the Time Masters are putting forth everything happening the way it is, including everything that savage has done is because the world needs to be under one constant control in order to in order to defeat these Thanagarians when they actually do come to earth so uh it was very interesting to know as i had mentioned that rip was just a pawn in everything and as adam as you mentioned it's it's a mind-blowing revelation when you realize every when like it turns the entire show on its head yeah yeah uh looking at some of my other notes for this episode too we also get to see uh when rip looks into the oculus and sees everything throughout he gets a gl quick glimpse of the future to see ray's death which uh will come into play a little bit later on before the end of this episode uh i loved seeing the face off on the wave rider between sarah and snart uh you know it was one of those moments where snart was threatening to kill sarah and yeah, they order. had really they have really good chemistry on camera. They really do, or and I love had, that they did. I guess. Yeah, but and it yeah, was one of the, it was one of those things I had mentioned earlier too. Like, would we ever see any chemistry between the two of them? 
And I love the fact that they just had this one tiny little scene, and it was just this really just fun, quick little moment of him just being super cocky and <laughs> bring up, you know, kind of like the future for the two of them and her kind of just kind of throwing a dig back at him and him just that shit-eating grin on his face. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. And it just made you smile, but it that moment proved why the Kendra Ray relationship in the show never worked. This happened oh. very naturally, and that one was forced down our throats so insanely in, intense through the, this season. And I think this is the only one that anybody really did want to see. And I love the fact that they at least did had that moment. Yeah. 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 I think, I, I like I said before, I didn't really get to listen to much of the, the Legends talk you guys have had because I pretty much binge watched half the season over this past week but i'm glad to hear you guys didn't like that whole kendra ray thing it just and i think that ended what one episode ago and it already feels like it never happened yeah it really does feel that way and i mean i i it's a shame that they, they actually shoehorn that on especially brandon routh because he's been such a fun character in this show yeah. and i would have loved to have seen the other things they could have done with him if they didn't force him into that plot line yeah, ex- exactly. Uh, I loved the moment right after that face-off between Snart and Sarah with Gideon uh, having transferred her her yeah. consciousness into the phone. The yeah, that was that was that was pretty fantastic. <laughs> Which makes me go back to something we had mentioned earlier on too. Is uh, I had referenced Gideon as far as the Flash because Gideon, but going back to season one of the Flash, Gideon was the computer system that Wells had. Uh, you know that um, Eobard Thawne had. Uh, you know, from the future with Gideon. But again, in this episode, we saw yet another personality from a computer, not Gideon. Uh, which, by the way, when they hacked the system and made them all start singing, I thought yeah. it was hysterical. <laughs> yeah. And um, that was the same one we saw earlier when we did see the other time ship earlier this season. So that was the same AI that was back from, uh, Christ, I forget what episode it was, probably around like episode seven or eight, when they did deal with the other... Um, the other folks from the vanishing point. So, okay. I wasn't sure if that was a different one, uh, or not. I forget uh, the construct's name offhand, but yeah, that was it. I think it was a Gilbert or something like that. Yeah. Um, something, something like that. But that was, that was, the, I think the same name is the ones we saw before. So I think you were right when you brought it up that week that it's just, that's the current version of the tech. Okay. All right. Yeah. So uh, thinking it was possibly a third AI made me think maybe there is a, a correlation between Gideon and, and, um, you know, any Thawne, but if it is just an upgraded version, as as we talked about before, then yeah, I'm not thinking that anymore. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's funny. I'm looking at the credits, and there's one guy listed in here twice playing the same character, and I think it's just a misspelling of his name. Um, so what are some of the other notable things that we uh, that we're kind of missing here from this well, episode? We definitely got the. Uh... The quick moment between Sarah and Cold coming out of the the cargo point of the Wave Rider, very a la Han and Chewie, which was kind of uh, it was a nice little kind of chuckle. I think it was hard not to see that correlation of yeah. them coming out of the floor panel, but um, but yeah, I mean, I gotta say one of my favorite bits through this entire episode was definitely though seeing Jax back in 2016 and the just the conversations he was having with Stein were so great. And it really showed. It's amazing to think in 15 episodes, those characters have grown that much because it showed so much of how much they have both changed. Well, yeah, because you don't when you watch it week to week, you don't realize the growth of the characters. And then when you see them 
almost confront themselves from the beginning. It, you see the huge difference. And I mean, it was one of those things that even Professor Stein was realizing this is a completely different Jackson than the one I just was talking to a short time ago. I like, yeah, I mean, I like that what was, they've done with his character. Yeah, that was a really great testament to both of those actors. And I think they both did that scene beautifully, especially when you see Victor Garber again later. You noticed how drastic of a change his character really has gone through. Yeah. I think exactly. one of my favorite episodes was when they had Jax meet his dad. Like, I think oh, yeah. his his acting in that was just, it was really good. And it was something yeah. that I, I hope they kind of expand on further, and it kind of looks like they will. Yeah, and I think he he's, I think, going to end up maybe kind of falling closer to that one of maybe those breakout characters next season. And yeah. I really hope so, because that kid's got chops. He really, really does. Uh, I loved the um, going back to uh, the Mick of old with some of his quick quips and one-liners in this episode. Uh, in one of them in particular, and I wish I could remember the exact line, but it was right after Ray realizes that Rip saw his death. You know, he questions like, "Why would anybody like want to kill me or something like that?" And Mick turns him and he's like, "Have you heard yourself?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's just the quick lines like that. I absolutely the 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 interactions between him and Ray this episode had me laughing, and it was nice seeing that old Mick from the. Few, first few episodes where he was com- pretty much the comic relief of everything. Yeah, I mean, uh, so we, I, I think we definitely got to say too huge props to Arthur Darvel this week. I mean, I think his best performance that he's ever done on this show was this episode. Like his mind is blown, like completely realizing everything he's done has been for nothing. Like everything he's fought for, it was all because of the people that he followed. Um, and it was you really, really, really solid on Arthur Darnold's face when he was portraying it as Rip this week. Yeah, well, I mean, he's the immortal gladiator. Ah, damn it, that's the other show. <laughs> I did it again. That's Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, I did that one on purpose. Uh, I, but, I don't have the rim shot, sorry. Yeah, I know. No sound <laughs> effects with this. It's not the show cast. Um, so I guess, uh, is there anything else before we go into, obviously, the big moment at the end of the episode? Well, I got to say the other thing, I know what we're about to get into, but I think this ties in pretty heavily to it, was, you know, this week was very much a very Mick and Leonard episode, uh, through and through. And before we get into Leonard's side of things, seeing what Mick was going through and knowing that he was going to be forced to become a Cronus again, and I loved, it gets tied up at the very end of what kept him who he is, is the fact that as much as he refuses to call them friends, he, he openly admitted how much he cares about the team. And it was that was, I think, one of the biggest things we've seen in the show was showing these two career criminals that were only in it for themselves. And both of them, by the end of this episode, really were something very special. Yeah. If you tell anyone, I'll shave your head. (laughs) Yeah. That was such a good line. (laughs) But it was a great line. It was so soul crushing, though. I mean, like, we'll get to it in a second. But there was that that moment at the end with him and, and Ray of just him holding that ring and just tapping it. And it was the seeing the look on his face. I mean, like. Not crying, no tears or anything like that, but you could see so much happening on his face. Yeah, and, and Dominic Purcell does did does such amazing job uh, in this this week's episode. Yeah, um, obviously with uh, them just trying to destroy the Oculus, you know, Kronos makes uh, slash Mick slash Firestorm or not Firestorm uh, Heatwave makes the decision that he's going to sacrifice himself for them to blow it. 
And uh, oof, man. Well, let's, the, next, let's, the next couple of minutes are insane. <laughs> well, let's ju- let's jump back. Uh, uh, you know, a couple seconds before that. Obviously, this is the scene that Rip sees when he looks into the future in the Oculus, and he sees uh, that this is going to be. Uh, Ray's death. This is the scene that he foresaw when looking into the Oculus, and he decides that he doesn't want this to happen. So he decides, uh, but Ray realizes that this is his moment to be a hero. Uh, he has to stay behind in order for them to destroy the Oculus. And before they get a chance to do that, this is when Mick, I guess, pretty much comes to conscience and knocks out Ray. And can. Can I just tell you how awesome of a moment it was that Rip shrunk Ray and just put him in his pocket? <laughs> I was thinking, I'm like, that's so convenient. <laughs> yeah, that was that was quite wonderful. <laughs> Look, my question is, do you guys think that Rip would have done that, I don't know, three or four episodes ago? Like, stopped him from doing it? to I, Like, it seems like his conscience finally got the better of him. Uh, yeah, I don't think, sacrifice I, his teammates. Yeah, I don't think he would have. I really don't. I don't think if we saw what we did in the, like last week's episode with what went down with Jax, um, and then being confronted by everybody and realizing that he has lost control of his emotions in this whole debacle, that if we didn't see the team turn on him the way that they did last week and say, "Hey, you know, this is not okay," you know, you're you're a captain of the ship. Your your job is the safety of everybody aboard your vessel, and that's exactly what he wasn't doing. So, yeah, I don't think we would have, if he didn't have that moment last week, he would have just let Ray take the bullet on that one. Yeah, I think the same thing. And I I think they're like, it, it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of a shame that the finale is this week because I really think all the characters are finally starting to hit their stride. Except, I don't know what they're doing with, uh, with the Hawk people. But uh, other than that, like the rest of the crew, I think, are really, really coming on strong. Yeah. I mean, like I said, Kendra's barely in this episode. What we do see over, we you know, before we get, I guess, even actually before we continue that bit, we do see Vandal go back and kill Ray's, uh, you know, wife and uh, wife and son, and that whole mess, kind of fulfilling that end of the prophecy. But uh, I think what we're going to see with them is really, I think we are going to see that tie to Thanagar probably next week with them. And I think that's what they're holding them for. So yeah, I mean that would make sense to me too. But now. Uh, obviously, with uh, with things being the way they have been left off, is, I, is it still possible for for Rip to go back and prevent his family from dying? Now, I don't think so. I feel like it's a fixed point at this at, at this stage in the game. I don't know. I mean, Savage does have a time ship at this point, and he could continue to do this as many times as he wanted to if they ever changed it. So, I mean, but again, you know, let's let's jump back to that moment with Ray. Yeah. Uh, as I had mentioned, too, you know, Mick kind of comes to conscience and he removes Ray from the situation by knocking him unconscious and decides that he is going to be the one to sacrifice himself because he needs vengeance for what they did to him. Uh, and this is one of those moments in the show where, you know, when Ray was first up there, I was like, all right, all right. I, you know, I love Ray, but if this is what Ray's got to do and this is the way he goes out, this is, you know, this is good, good on him. And then Mick steps in and I, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, all right, Mick is, you know, was almost written off once. If they're going to write him off again, this is the way he's got to go out. And then the next moment happens. <laughs> it's like, how many people are going to come over and try and do this? And Snart, uh, Leonard Snart comes up and decides that he is going to be the one to sacrifice himself for the good of the team and, and to before, destroy the Oculus. Before you say the next part, did I don't know <laughs> if you guys had this thought too. He he looks at Mick and says, 
you have to, you know, you're going to have to forgive me for this. And I could have swore what I thought he was going to do was freeze Mick's arm um, and snap it off, uh, leaving that button held down just for a minute and getting them to safety, kind of like the giving us that nod to being able to regrow limbs or something along those lines. Oh, I didn't even think of yeah, that. Yeah, me either, but it would have made more, <laughs> been a better I, idea. <laughs> I thought that's exactly where they were going to go with it. I'm like, oh, I was like, I was like, and I kind of chuckled. And then what happened was not what happened. No, I um, never know. He could have done it to himself. Yeah. And I thought that was a potential too, but yep. Not what we got this week. But instead, what we see is the team escapes, but not before Sarah gives him uh, a goodbye of her own. And I forget. pretty good kiss too. Yeah, it was. I forget his last words. Oh, you! You? How could you forget this? He did, I don't know. What he were did they? a better, better drop of this line than James Spader did in Age of Ultron. There are no strings on me. And That's yeah. right. Oh, it was such a great final line. Yeah. And Leonard sacrifices himself to destroy the Oculus, uh, which. We have some news on, you know, his character on Wentworth Miller and what his future holds with this show. But the first thing that came to my mind is that this happened outside of the timeline. So I do not know how you can go back and reverse this. Uh, Because, again, if you're not in the timeline, this is something that cannot be controlled by traveling through time. Yeah. You can't go back and prevent this. This has happened and it has to stick. Yeah, and then that's the big thing, too, and I think why you said sidekick jokingly in the beginning, but it was, this was the breakout character of the show. I mean, he was. there's no question about it. This is the person that everybody tuned in to watch. Um, and, you know, we'll get into it in the news a little bit more, but it made you be like, what the, you know, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? And when me and my wife are sitting there watching it, we are just quiet as can be. Like I was too. Like jo- I was drop jawed. Yeah, and I just didn't know what to do with myself for a few minutes as the show continued to play out. And I'm like, "What the hell? I I, I don't know what to, to think or feel or anything at the moment." And and I'm like, "There's still another episode to go." And yeah, so who knows? <laughs> it's it's funny because I can tell you my exact reaction watching like this this total five minutes or so was all right ray all right this is the way you gotta go wait oh wait okay all right mick this is wait wait a minute what's happening no no this is not supposed to happen no leonard cannot do this you know like while i was accepting of it of i was accepted that it could be mick or it could be ray i did not want it to be leonard and i i was really bummed the way this episode ended you know we've made the there's been the joke a couple times and even sean and brian made the joke when they were on uh it's that that joking light of no please stop and then for us this week it was like no please stop what are you doing (laughs) exactly uh and just to deliver the final line as you had mentioned and then to finally sacrifice himself for the good of the team he ended up being the hero of it and if they even made a good mention of it ray said you know uh he wouldn't want to be remembered as a hero but that's what he was yeah and you know now they are free of the time master's influence on them they are no longer pawns in the game so it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the finale next week that was why i got a legend minus oh because of snart yeah because it's not sacrifice. Because it almost uh, seemed like they didn't have to. You know what I mean? It almost seemed like that was for nothing. To kill him, specifically. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't it know was, how it... I, I gotta say, it was still really good writing. 
it was, was because it, it was, was the character yeah. it's it's the character you never thought they would do something like that to and it made everybody on that show no longer feel invincible it really said everybody is expendable in this show yeah. um and i think that actually brought a new level to what this could be next season yeah i mean compare that to when carter first died you know i don't know what three or four episodes into it it seemed it was, like it was episode two I mean, like, I think it told us then that this show, you can't predict where we could go. Right. And they proved it again. And I think that's something I, I think, you know, viewers of the show really, really will have to take to heart that nobody's going to potentially be safe in this. Yeah. Uh, we're already over an hour into this podcast and we still have to talk about Flash. So yeah. we're going to move on. Yep. Uh, but real quick synopsis of next week's episode titled Legendary, which is pretty fitting. Uh, after the numerous... Wait for it, Derry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Legend, wait. No, yeah, that's it. Uh, after the numerous sacrifices the team has made since the beginning of this ride, Rip decides that it's time they each decide their own destiny and returns them to Central City a few months after they first left. Uh, returned to their normal lives, each team member must individually decide if they are willing to sacrifice everything in order to save the world. Meanwhile, Sarah visits with her father, who delivers some heartbreaking news about her sister. So yeah, it's going to be a very interesting finale. So hopefully it it uh it delivers. Yeah. So if if, if the last couple episodes have been any indication, I think it's definitely going to deliver. So, uh, and now into the oh my god, uh, the episode of the week, if you ask me, uh, the Flash. Jumping back to the first episode of the week, the Flash season two episode twenty win, uh titled The Runaway Dinosaur, which we have to note, as we had mentioned before, too, this is the Kevin Smith-directed episode of The Flash, and kudos to Kevin Smith on this one, for sure. And also special kudos to Zach Stentz uh, on the writing of this week's episode. Oh my god, yeah. That will not be the last time you hear that name tonight, so you will hear that again in news, and make sure you remember when we talk about this episode when we bring that up, because you should be very excited. Yeah. Uh, but a very quick synopsis, Iris volunteers to act as the bait to plan to trap Girder in Star Labs, and in the meantime, Barry struggles to go back to his old life. Uh, mentioned before, this was a Kevin Smith-directed episode, uh, and he did fantastic. I have so many notes, I don't even want to read them, I just want to jump right into this episode, because there are so many great moments. Um, you know, obviously we start off seeing, you know, Jesse and... Um, you know, so they start off helping Jesse and Wally, who have been struck by the, the Speed Force wave. Uh, Cisco vibes on Barry's suit and realizes that he is still alive, but somewhat uh, trapped uh, in Barry and having his dreamlike status where he is uh, pretty much talking directly to the Speed Force. Uh, and also the, uh, the, the wave from um, the experiment in the episode before causes Girder to come back as zombie Girder. <laughs> and I got to bring it up really quick because I don't know, uh, some of the people that listen to the show probably got this and probably chuckled as much as I did. So the actor of Girder, his, uh, the actor's name is Greg Finley, he's actually on another CW show, uh, which was iZombie. And uh-huh. he was <laughs> a zombie on that show. Yeah. And, and did uh, you... There was an iZombie reference. There was. In and the episode. I love the fact that they brought him as a zombie in this episode. So massive props to the writers for this week because I love that they did that. Yeah, and Cisco's is iZombie still behind you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quote at one yeah, point yeah. in the episode. And he was a great, great char- uh, character too in season two of iZombie, uh, Drake. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, quite fun to see him do get a chance to reprise the role. So 
Yeah. Uh, but again, by the, you know, obviously by the end, we see Barry come out of the coma and stop Girder. So that's pretty much the rundown of this episode with so many things happening in between. Uh, I'll start this one off just by saying, again, this is probably one of my favorite episodes that this show has ever done. Not being biased to Kevin Smith. I mean, it, it could have been anybody who directed this episode and I would have felt the same way. There was so much emotion in this episode. And I will tell you, very few episodes of this show have caused me to get choked up. This was one of them. And it was one particular line, which we will get to later on in the episode, because I'm sure you probably both know what it was. There was a lot of those lines, so I'm actually not quite sure which one you're going to tip to, so it's okay. Was it a line that was said in season one? Uh, yes, I okay. believe so. I yeah. believe it was. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say sit, very sit, but I was No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're close. <laughs> you're close to it. Uh, all right. So let's just talk strong points of this episode. What are some of our, fav- some of our favorite moments? The entire episode was a strong point. Let's <laughs> yeah. be honest. This Should was we start actually... with least favorite? <laughs> uh, well, I got to say right off the bat, though, too, for anybody, Kevin Smith said it when he was talking about getting to do this episode, and he said this is kind of like the direct follow-up to the like season one finale. Like this is the spiritual successor, and it, he was so dead on right. I mean, it was so beautifully heartwarming. Like from you know start to finish, it was just oh, absolutely adored it. Yeah, yeah. I mean the they so last season they had you know he basically caught Wells in the the second to last episode and then the last episode you're right was that like you know struggle with his mother's death and and still letting her die again and this year they're kind of flipping it and mm-hmm. i like that yeah yeah i mean he, he it's it's pretty much by the end of this episode he's he's finally accepted it it's something he's never accepted uh you know it's it's even mentioned when he's talking to the speed force uh in which you know while he's in there uh he's speaking to the speed force and the speed force has taken many different forms of people from his life starting with joe to iris to henry his father and his mother nora uh you know and it's it's one of those things that this was it, it was almost like speed force therapy mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh you know that uh, Barry was trapped in his own head, and this is something that he needed to do to get through everything he needed to stop blaming himself for his mother's death. He needed to accept the fact that his mother had moved on, but also at the same time realize that you know his mother is still proud of him, no matter what it's not his fault that his mother is gone. In the yeah. first five minutes in my head, I was like, this episode is so trippy so far. And then he said those exact words, <laughs> like mm-hmm. how trippy it was. And then it, like, because to be honest, I mean, watching the promo for it last week, I thought, oh, this kind of just looks like it might be kind of a filler episode to get us to the finale. And it was so much more than that. I mean, the, I mean, we, I'm sure we'll talk about it before we wrap, but, but like how he came out of it at the end meant i think it's going to mean so much next week going to the finale yeah i I absolutely agree and the funny thing is you you asked adam was our our least favorite part of this episode and i hate to say it because i do love the character i don't think we needed to see zoom this week at all i really didn't like i know it's because we're getting two episodes away from the end but everything else that was happening was like so just amazing to watch that just even that couple seconds of zoom at the end just i was like i didn't need that i really didn't get me hyped yeah well, That's Zoom true. was he, he was part of the after credit. Um, he was, yeah. which is uh, what I call any. Bolt. Yeah, he was the post lightning bolt. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a better way to, to describe it. Um, so, and and it was 
basically it was just a setup to next week. Yeah. So uh, as far as the actual storyline went, I'm glad that he wasn't part of the main episode. I, I am they, too. But yeah, if, I was just that that lightning bolt shot didn't I actually just didn't need. <laughs> I was good. Um, I kind of disagree to that in a moment because it, in order to set up next week's episode, which you know obviously we'll talk about a little bit later, I think something had to be mentioned this week in order for that. Um, I only had one gripe with this episode, and it involves Girder. And I, I mean, they probably could have picked really any former one that, although there was really only what two that ended up dying there. But um, if he was looking for Iris, I'm curious why he even left the morgue in the first place because he was <laughs> she was right in front of him. Do you know? I thought about that too. Yeah, I was like, well, I actually went back and rewatched the episode, and the second time I viewed it. When they realized that he was going after Iris, I'm like, wait a minute, he was right. She was right in front of him. Yeah. Well, it was. It was. It's, it's very obvious. He had to smash up Jason. Uh, Jason Muse's mother's Humvee. So yeah, exactly. That was that was the <laughs> only reason he left. He's like, now I'll go back. It's fine. Yeah. So, <laughs> that was a I, cool I love, little uh, cameo. Yeah, I love the fact that Kevin put um put um put Muse in there twice. Actually, actually. actually it wasn't even his call. Um, they he actually didn't want. Jason to be there at all and it was actually the writers said we wrote a part for Jason before Kevin even knew and they said he's here because we want him here Kevin was actually very afraid to, for him to be on the show because he didn't want to feel like his influence was changing what the show was and uh, so I thought it was cute that it was the flash writers that actually wanted him not Kevin yeah I mean that's a good point but I mean like you said you know he didn't want it to be he didn't want to seem like it was his, his influence this is one of those episodes that was so well directed that it 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 was it was so well directed but also fitting to the tone of the show that had you not told me that or had I not even known that was Kevin Smith I would have not known at all I mean there was no kind of like he has his quirks or everything but you could tell he took a lot of pride in directing this episode he didn't want this to be another kind of like dogma or James Allen Bob type of episode of this show he wanted this to be critical to the way the show is he wanted to stay true to the tone of the show and he did that in in stride yeah, oh, yeah. i think I he mean, did a great job yeah i mean and he's talked at great lengths on how much love he has for that show and it proved just the way he directed it i mean he even said out uh, you know this past week on fat man on batman that he still thinks to this day it's the best thing he will ever direct yeah i mean and and that goes to show you too like we talked about it earlier on in this episode he didn't even start to like the show until this season yeah, King Shark. It was Jason King Hughes Shark. running into a room and like and calling him up. And he was like, "Dude, get turn on CW right now!" And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, whatever." Flash. And then it was just <laughs> people bombarding photos at him on Twitter, and he's like, "Holy crap, that's amazing!" <laughs> yeah. So, and he ended up going back and just binging it and loving the show. And I, I, I was so excited when I found out that you know, as as much of love he had for the show that he was going to be directing an episode. I've been anticipating this episode, and it did not disappoint me one bit at all. So, uh, some other things. Let's see that we have mentioning. Obviously, we had Zombie Girder, which I think was more of the comic relief and. Uh, basically just to show the importance of how badly they needed Barry to come back. They could have done it without it and focused more on just getting Barry back, but I like the fact that they threw it in there. Yeah, I yeah mean, it, was, I, it was... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say... Actually, I was going to talk about the Speed Force itself, so if you have something on Girder, um, go ahead. Oh, no, I mean, I think it was just fun, the fact that, hey, Barry's back, holy crap, we need your help right now, you know? <laughs> and that was... I think that was the, that was the fun punchline to their story. Meanwhile, you got the, this beautiful emotional stuff happening with Barry. And let me tell you, Adam, real, real quick, before you go into the Speed Force, you mentioned that whole, 
you know, Barry's, you know, yay, Barry's back. Holy crap, we need you. Um, that particular moment with Wells and Cisco. Oh, yeah. So good. Um, was absolutely hysterical for numerous reasons. One, it was just a funny scene, especially when by the end, you know, when Barry comes up with the plan, they look at each other and they're plan both H. like, Plan H. <laughs> um, if you haven't seen them, um, uh, Carlos Valdez and Tom Cavanaugh actually have done a couple YouTube videos together, and they are hysterical. They're extremely dry humor, but they are funny as hell. And that particular scene right there was just a good indication as to the chemistry those two actors have both on and off the screen. It's so good. And I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was only like 30 seconds, but I loved it. I like when, uh, I guess, Barry goes right out of the door and they look at each other and go, oh, he's taking the long way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Such funny parts, and when like he first came back, and they were trying to explain everything. I mean, that whole scene was was great, and it's kind of cool to see how Wells Part Two, like Tom Cavanaugh, is just so good at acting, considering he's played essentially what three different versions of the same character. I mean, it's just fantastic, and all of them feel so uniquely different. Yeah. I mean, and you tend to forget too when you watch him because of his acting on the show and the character that he's playing. That he's a he's he's almost a comedian in real life. I mean, he has done some very funny stuff in you know in other roles, and you tend to forget that because his acting is so good in this show. Yeah, really yeah. is. It, it's, you know, portraying it, Wells. It is. I mean, especially I think some of my first memories of him too were like JD's brother on Scrubs for the longest yeah. time, and yeah, oh, yeah, seeing seeing him now, it's it's it, it's day and night on Flash. Mike and Tom eat snacks. Mm-hmm. Great. Such a fantastic I still podcast. Gotta check that out. It's so dumb and wonderful. <laughs> it's so great. I love it. Um, but jumping back into the Speed Force, Adam, you know, as you had mentioned. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't. So, as I said, I'm like not a big comic reader as far as the Flash goes or anything. But I didn't realize that the Speed Force was like some kind of being until this episode, really. Like at first, I didn't know if it was all in Barry's head, and then. Um, I kind of realized that it is kind of uh, like a, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's it's like a supernatural being, basically. Yeah, it's it's they kind of make make it this like entity that's just you, there is no way to put it. It's just it's basically exists the same way that light and darkness do. You know, yeah. It's they they did such a fun job of playing with that this week. Yeah, it's very interesting because the the actual explanation of the Speed Force in the comic books is so complicated. Uh, But I like the fact that they didn't really dive into it that much. They explained what they needed to explain to make the episode make sense, and then they let it go. And so I was I was very happy that that's how they handled the explanation of the Speed Force. And and they did it without a whiteboard. So massive credit to the Flash writers this week. (laughs) That's true. That's very very true. One thing Uh, I'm curious of uh, is. I guess it was when I think it was when it took the form of Iris, um, and she had mentioned about him rejecting his gift, and then he kind of gives his explanation. And I thought she said like that's not what she was talking about. Yeah, she's. Do you remember her saying that? She, I'm just she, curious. I'm wondering. Yeah, what she did it, say that at that point. Yeah, I'm wondering what she meant then. I. You know what? I think it's. They really didn't go into it. I think it's one of those things that you just kind of have to break down and think about a little bit. And I think if I had to give my own interpretation for that, it's Barry's heart. Like, he has... like It's him rejecting that because he's not able to let go of, like, his mother. And he's letting pain kind of still consume him in some way, in shape, or form. And what makes him the Flash and the, one of the most fun heroes is that he is all heart. 
and that's keeping him from being the you know a better hero yeah i could see that um it i'm very curious as to something too in obviously it's been revealed in you know through last week's at the end of last week's episode and into this week's episode that a physical person uh with the speed force infused in them could actually become trapped in the speed force itself is this possibly a way to defeat zoom because he does have so much speed force infused in him that is this possibly something they could do they could trap him inside the speed force because it seems that the only way you can get out of the speed force is one with help uh you know because obviously we see cisco vibe into the speed force which we learn through vibing he can actually cross dimensions now not just time and earths uh but he can vibe and that was actually through iris he was pulled out of the speed force so he needed help to be pulled from the speed force so if you could trap zoom in the speed force without help he could never get out I mean, I, I think that's, that. yeah, I can see that as being a possibility, but there's a part of me that still thinks we're going to see him burn up the same way that Trajectory did. Yeah, I could see that as well. Um, because I think I'm, I'm more and more, and Adam, we'll get your take on this too, even though I've already spoken to you about it, so I know what it is, but just for listeners, we'll, we'll have you tie it. Uh, I'm more and more convinced now, more than ever, that the man in the Iron Mask is Jay Garrick, and it is John Wesley Ship. Yeah. Um, it is Henry Allen from Earth 2. So um, I guess while we're on that too, Adam, what was I think your prediction was pretty much the same thing, wasn't it? Yeah, once I think once he said that uh, Garrick was his mother's maiden name on Earth One, that kind of solidified it. Yeah, and so. that was that was one other poll we did to uh, this past week, and actually a lot of people are still just saying just Jay Garrick, not the the two of them combined. So hmm. kind of curious. Okay, it was it was I, it was a close race, but I think out of the the ten people that got to answer that on the the time it was up. Yeah, I think it was uh, just the Jay Garrick was leading uh, substantially. We are, uh, we're only two weeks away, less than two weeks away at this point now from, from finding out. So one thing I noticed, and maybe, I don't know if this was on like a pure coincidence or what, but the first time um, Cisco tried to rescue Barry it was also the same time that um, the speed force took the form of Iris. And, and we know Barry said at the end, He'll always kind of go where Iris follows. I wonder if that's like kind of on purpose by the speed force to keep him there, knowing that he needs to get the speed rather than go back to uh, to Earth One. I think I think it was a combination of both. I think I mean it was pretty much told to him that if he left at that time, he would it would be without his powers. Yeah. So and I think he he realized then that while I want to go back, I I need my powers. So he stayed behind. So that that's just my take on that situation. I don't really think it had anything to do with Iris. Uh, I think it was just coincidence that Iris just happened to be the one that was the form of the Speed Force at that time. To be to clarify, I think so too. I just wanted to yeah. see if you both thought that. Oh, yeah, okay, totally agree. Yep. Uh, I want to go back a little bit uh, to, more towards the beginning of the episode, and I want to focus uh, a few minutes on Wally and Jesse. Because uh, Wally obviously does come out and uh, wakes up and stands up and is perfectly fine, whereas Jesse is now in a coma. Uh, she is experiencing the same exact thing Barry did when he was struck by the um, by the incident uh, when he first became the Flash. Mm-hmm. He was in a he was perfectly healthy, but in a coma, and uh, you know nobody knew what was wrong with him until he finally woke up. And when he woke up, he had the Speed Force. So is this a repeat incident for Jesse? Uh, I think most definitely, and I think it is for Wally, too. We just haven't seen what's going to happen to jumpstart him yet. 
because um, we did see in the synopsis for next week that Wally wants to help in the oncoming battle, and Joe being incredibly concerned with everything. So I'm wondering if uh, that's going to play into ne- that next week, or this week specifically. Do we think that Wally is going to be a speedster, or is he going to have some kind of other abilities? He's going to be a speedster. There's no way they're ever going to make Wally West anything but a speedster. Yeah, uh, it was I, pure I think they, speed force that went through him too. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, they will piss off a lot of fans really fast if they make him any other form of metahuman. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, and it also, you know, by the end of the episode, Jesse comes out of the coma simply with a touch of you know Barry's hand and a a touch of the speed force is what opens her up, which makes me wonder too, because I know there was a point in, in the comic books where some of the speedsters actually have the ability to transfer speed force to one another. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering it. if, uh, well, yeah, well, we've known that already too, but it's, um, but like freely give it to other people. Uh, can, you know, with zoom stealing the speed force from Barry, they actually had to drain it from well, Barry I, in order to inject. I it. had even read that like at some point in the comics and maybe this is like Wikipedia or something. So it could very well be wrong, but at some point, even Barry Allen like gets powers of speed theft, like being able to physically take speed from other speedsters. Yeah, I do. Oh. I do roughly remember it. It's I think going back quite a while. So, <laughs> yeah, they, like I said, it was Wikipedia. So who knows like where oh, they're yeah. pulling it from? But Seriously. I mean, I kind of got like when he came out of that and he zapped her like that, and he he easily took out Girder. Like he knew to do the whole thing with the electromagnets and everything. I almost got like a Matrixy Neo or Luke use the force type of feel like now he has the confidence like now he knows what he needs to do he has more control over the speed force like i kind of got that feel from it but yeah and it kind of feels like though too he knew jesse was attached to the speed force uh at, at that point it very yeah. much felt like he knew she was part of it right and that was what it was it was almost like his um like as you you know a comparison to the matrix as you had mentioned adam uh him touching jesse and realizing you know just knowing that she's connected to the speed force was almost like neo's moment when he stopped bullets yeah like he knew he could do it without knowing he could do it right you know and that's the same thing with barry touching jesse and and you know waking her up with the speed force he knows that she's got it but he doesn't exactly know how he knows that she's got it cuz he even says it too it's like metachlorians or whatever in the Star Wars world. Yeah. Yeah. And I love I love uh Cisco's one liner too. It's like are you like magic or something now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh obviously wrapping up the episode, one of the final scenes is we see Barry finally come to grips with his mother's death and accept it and visit her grave for the first time. As well to leaving flowers in which we get the uh the final moment with him and Iris as well. Did either of you think they were gonna like actually kiss? Because... I I expected more than what they did by the end of it. Um, I thought about it. I'm kind of thinking about it after watching the episode for the second time. I'm kind of glad they didn't because after realizing how much I don't like relationships like <laughs> on shows like Arrow and such, I'm kind of glad they're not rushing something like that. Yeah, I, Flash. I personally don't care where the, like how quickly they move into a relationship or anything, but I full on expected like a makeout sesh at the end of that. I think we might get that at season's end. Um, I think it's coming. I think it's coming very soon. But I think it's when they do it, I think it's going to be that perfect over the top moment that's just, you know, like feels like a romance. And it's, I think it's going to be the payoff that a lot of people want. I know some people were kind of hoping for that the other week before he went into the, uh, you know, the chair, the, the flashpoint chair, as we were joking about. 
that we were going to see it then, but um, yeah, I think we're going to see it very soon. And I, I gotta I... say too, one of the things that we have to touch on though, really quick though, was definitely the scene between Barra, uh, not Barra, Barra? <laughs> Nora and Barry. Um, that the scene of them reading. Oh the my actual god, book. how could I forget that? Yeah, I mean that's that was easily the greatest scene the show has ever filmed. Um, the the two of them reading the children's book together was just beautiful. And that's and that's the scene that had the line that made me choke up. And like I, now that I'm thinking about it, and you're bringing it back up, how did I completely forget to bring that scene up? We've talked about so much about this episode that I completely looked right past it. Um, that that scene from reading the good uh, from reading um, the Runaway Dinosaur book, uh, and you know Barry finally realizing that his mother is proud of him, even though it's not his mother. It is you know the Speed Force, obviously. Um, you know, to the moment when he finally accepts who he is and he he grabs his own shadow, which is himself, and he it gives him the ability to get his powers back. Uh, you know, and he's he sees Iris and Iris is trying to bring him out of the speed force and he turns to his mother and those words come out of her mouth. Run, Barry, run. Yep. I, I was like, oh, I need I like I have something in my eye. <laughs> yeah. Um. But, I mean, I'll happily admit it. I got so choked up because there was so much emotion behind those three words. Yeah. Especially following that scene. That that was my favorite moment from that episode. That was, I think, my favorite moment from this series. Um, I just that The moment of the two of them sitting and reading that book was... Um, I mean, they were even saying when they, were, they had it written, they were worried that this was going to come off very silly and childish. And I think it was Grant's best scene on, on camera yet. I agree. Yeah, I I would agree with that completely. So, uh, but I think that's a good point to leave this episode on. Obviously, is you know, very quickly we saw the the final the post bolt episode with Zoom telling Kate, giving Caitlin the ultimatum: join me or you'll suffer the same fate as your friends. And then facing a metahuman army, which we are going to see a lot more of next week in the penultimate episode, episode twenty two, titled Invincible. Uh, Zoom unleashes an army of Earth 2 metahumans, the leader of which is Black Canary's doppelganger, Black Siren. And which I thought, I thought we were going to see her in the finale. No, penultimate. And on top of that, there was a shot that came out, too, in the promos. We also see Killer Frost in Reverb. And hmm. I'm very curious on how that is going to play out. So Yes, yes, we do. I, I did see a still shot of both of them together. So I, I have a feeling that might be a flashback. I think so. Um, I don't know how they're going to bring them back unless they're starting to bring in, or it's or it's Caitlin and Cisco pulling a fast one. You know, <laughs> that's true. Very, <laughs> cool. very much could be. Uh, and as you had mentioned before, too, Joe worries when Wally goes out to help the Flash at the same time. One thing, sorry, before you move on, uh, I know I think you guys talked about it last week because I thought Barry's dad said it last week that he was staying around, but then he said it again this week, and I'm kind of on board with you guys. I really hope. They're not going to do this, but it really has the feel that they're going to kill him off, especially with things finally starting to go well with like Barry and Iris and, and all that stuff and coming to grips with his mother. I, I hope not. I mean, they did tease a potential death uh, at the end of the season, and I really hope it's not the case. And it, it would really be horrible for him to accept his mother's death yeah. and then his only dad for dies. his father to die yeah. right afterwards right. and him blame himself again for everything so uh, yeah i'm kind of hoping they don't kill off his character uh but i i mean 
we'll see. There's a pretty know. intense scene from the preview where Barry's saying no in a very... Uh, He's screaming it. Yeah, in a, in a way that makes it look like someone's being killed or tortured or something. Yeah, I'm very yeah. curious to see what's going to go down. Yep. And uh, hope, please don't be Joe either. So, No, 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 no. no. You still need that no, musical be- episode. I, damn it, you the, stole that from me. I was <laughs> just going to say that. And then that little bit on Earth, too. Yeah, like yeah. one of his three dads cannot die. Let's be all all agree on that one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but we will move on, obviously, now wrapping up with everything with the Secret Origins portion. Let's move on to the DC Essentials portion where we talk about the news and give you some recommendations for the week. Uh, I know we have quite a bit of news, so we'll try and get through this pretty quick as uh, this is one of the longest issues we have done as of yet. We're already about an hour and a half in, so we'll try and wrap this up pretty quickly. And I guess uh, do you want to start things off, or do you want me to start things off? How about I'll get off uh, get off uh, on this one first, real quick, and okay. I'm just going to go dive into the big one real fast because we talked about it earlier. Wentworth Miller. So we do know for a fact he is not a season regular for season two of Legends of Tomorrow. Um, they did I did do some uh, digging right after the episode wrapped, being very kind of distraught. Did see this has been announced, but Wentworth Miller has signed a new contract with CW, allowing him to appear across all of the DC uh, CW shows. Um, I don't know if this will include Supergirl, but uh, that at least states The Flash, Legends, and For Arrow. So I would assume, uh, yeah, I would assume Supergirl is probably now included into this contract. So we'll see, but we do know he is going to be making most of his appearances on Legends, and that's where his presence will be felt the most, but we do know uh, he will be back next season. We just don't know how. So I will uh, let you take the next one. Uh, Okay. Uh, NBC has given a full season uh, scripting to uh, Powerless, which is the DC Comics sitcom that's going to be coming to the network. Uh, Earlier this month, NBC ordered into production a new comedy set in the world of DC Comics titled Powerless, and now the network has released the full series description for the sitcom. Uh, The description is as follows. In the first comedy series set in the universe of DC Comics, Vanessa Hudgens plays Emily, a spunky young insurance adjuster specializing in regular people coverage against damage caused by the crime-fighting superheroes. I love this concept, too, by the way. Uh, It's when she stands up to one of these larger-than-life figures after an epic battle messes with her commute that she accidentally becomes a cult hero in her own right, even if it's just to her group of lovable, quirky co-workers. Now, Now, while she navigates her normal, everyday life against an explosive backdrop, Emily might just discover that being a hero doesn't always require superpowers so i know the cast as of yet right now is vanessa hudgens alan tudyk danny pudi and christina kirk so you put at least alan tudyk and danny pudi together and i'm on board and we do know they have no limits to the things that they are allowed to talk about and this does not take place in the cw universe or the film universe they are allowed to but talk they- about anything they want well, but they have also come out and said that major characters like batman and superman will not be mentioned in the show uh, actually, that was changed apparently today. Apparently, they are allowed to bring them up, uh, but they will not be able to show them to some extent. Oh, so, okay. Uh, they will not be making on-screen appearances, but I think there are like, – they did say in the trailer description that IGN got to see there was shots of Batman and Superman, kind of almost similar BBS kind of style, but not quite the same. So okay. it's very much like going to live in its own universe. So Gotcha. Um, 
Next up uh, is Darwin Cook um, passed away, who is uh, an acclaimed writer and uh, artist from, that has worked on many DC properties. Uh, he passed away earlier this week uh, at the age of 53 after a long battle with cancer. Darwin Cook uh, was a, an Eisner Award winner and is most known for his work for The New Frontier, uh, which is this amazing, amazing book, kind of moving the classic DC characters from the Golden Age into the Silver Age. And it is still one of the best pieces of work from DC you can pick up. So very sad to see. Uh, next up on my end, a Hartley Quinn spinoff movie is now in the works with Margot Robbie. Uh, Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment are developing a new standalone movie featuring an all-star cast of female DC heroes and villains with Margot Robbie attached to reprise her role of Harley Quinn. Uh, Robbie will also produce the pick, which will not only feature Quinn, but popular characters such as, Bat such as Batgirl and Birds of Prey also making in appearances. Uh, who exactly will be considered the lead opposite Robbie is still unknown and exact plot details are also currently unknown. So I know you, you and I, we were talking about this a little bit earlier on. I, I believe it was off air as to the possibility, of, I think, of uh, Catwoman and Poison Ivy also possibly making appearances in this film. Yes, uh, I, I have a feeling most likely this is going to be maybe some kind of form of Gotham City Sirens. So that was kind of like a Harley Ivy and Catwoman book and usually featured pretty, uh, pretty heavily Batgirl and Birds of Prey, which I heard there were some rumblings that at least Birds of Prey and Batgirl would be inf involved in this in some way, shape or form. So. Yeah, yeah, that was that's uh, that's what they said. They'll also be making appearances. Mm -hmm. So uh, next up, too, one of the things that I'm super excited about, but still kind of sad about, we've been speculating for weeks now that Booster Gold was going to be making an appearance. The next uh, next episode and finale for Legends, I have a feeling that most likely is not the case. As this week, we did find out the Booster Gold film is in development, and currently Greg Berlanti is possibly set up right now to direct. But what makes this even more exciting is the writer for this film is Zach Stentz, who wrote, uh, actually wrote the Runaway Dinosaur episode this week on The Flash, but also was the lead scriptwriter for the movie Thor for Marvel. So so that is really exciting, and everybody, I'm sure, is hoping this week with the cancellation of Castle that Nathan Villian, who has already expressed uh, wanting to play this character, maybe hopefully we'll get a shot at that. So um, I can tell you right now, I just looked at IMDb, and I can tell you exactly who Jason Patrick is playing in Legends next week. Ah, really? It has. Uh, he is playing Alan Scott, who okay. was the first Green Lantern. Yes, and that was one of the ones we were saying, Booster Gold or Alan Scott, so we do know that for a fact, and it sounds like that's now another JSA member. So I wouldn't yep. be too, too surprised that the two uh, listings we read off last week are going to be other JSA members. So I think we're going to start seeing a bit of a shift. So I yeah, think be... IMDB has already revealed that his his role is going to be a Valen Scott next week. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, last up, last news that I have is very topical to this week with Kevin Smith directing the Flash this week. He is now ready to write for Arrow. Uh, Kevin Smith has stated that he is ready to scribe for the Emerald Archer and bring one of his creations from page to screen. Uh, he's been quoted as saying, I would love to jump in for one or two episode, for a one or two episode arc to bring that onomatopoeia character to life. That would be so badass. I created this character in the comics and then to do a live action version of it that fit in their universe, fit into their run of their show would be awesome. Mm-hmm. So and apparently Stephen Amell is also very into the idea. He would love to see it himself. Yeah, that actually was right after a response to him putting a picture up on Twitter of him growing out the goatee, which yes. makes that even cooler. So 
Um, and the last little uh, like section of news here is all Justice League centric here. So it sounds like Black Canary is all but confirmed to be in the film. We do know now it seems like Steppenwolf is indeed the big bad for the Justice League film, which for those of you who do not know Steppenwolf, there was a cut scene from the, uh, the film that did make it online um, that has this massive headgear. So if anybody did see that as he was convening with Luther holding those three mother boxes, that is our big bad. Uh, and for those of that are not in the note, uh, Steppenwolf is actually Darkseid's uncle, so before we attempt to get into that, I'm just going to let you Wikipedia that, because that's uh, that's going to be a mess to try to explain to everybody in just a minute or two. <laughs> I, I, I can't help it. Every time I hear the, t- the name Steppenwolf, I just think Magic Carpet Ride. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that's all I think of. So some other quick news, though, too, circulating around Justice League is it sounds like the plot of the film will be involved about the location of three mother boxes, one being on Atlant- in Atlantis, one on Themyscira, which is Wonder Woman's homeworld, and one on Earth. So that one mostly uh, associated with Earth has to do with Vic Stone becoming cyborg. And last but not least, it sounds like we have a little bit more knowledge now of what's happening with Willem Dafoe. Sounds like he will be playing a hero, uh, but not, I don't know if it's going to be anybody we quite know, but he is an Atlantean. So very kind of curious on what that's going to play out to be. So, yeah. And that kind of wraps up news for us on this week. Uh, cool. So before we get out of here, of course, we'll make a couple recommendations. And Adam, I know you were pretty quiet while we were doing the news. Uh, we didn't exactly talk about this, so it's okay if you don't have anything. But anything you would recommend to people, like any DC movies or animated or anything like that? No, nothing that you guys haven't covered before. I can't think okay. of anything new. I know uh, I've been watching some of the old Justice League or uh Justice League, Young Justice, and I think the Batman animated series is on Netflix, so I've been watching those. I know it's on Amazon Prime right now. It is. It definitely is on Amazon Prime. I think it hasn't made its way to the U.S. Netflix yet. I know it's been over on the U.K. and Canada for some time, though. Okay. Yeah, because I've been watching. I've actually gone back and watched a couple episodes on Amazon Prime when I saw it on there. So, uh, Do you want me to go first, then, with mine, or do you want to do yours? Uh, Go ahead and do it up. Uh, all right, mine is actually going right along with all this Kevin Smith talk that we're talking about, as he had mentioned his character of Anamanapia. So my recommendation for this week, of course, is going back to uh, a Batman uh, uh, Batman run that he had done called Batman Cacophony, which was a three-issue storyline in which I believe was the uh, uh, one of the main storylines of his character, Anamanapia, and was also written by Kevin Smith, and the art was done by Walt Flanagan, who is also a friend of Kevin Smith as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you want to go back originally to the first appearance of, of uh, Anamanapia, however, uh, his first appearance was in Green Arrow, episode 12, and he had a short run in, ep- in issues. I keep saying episode, uh, but issues 13 through 15 of the Green Arrow as well. So you could probably find them on Cosmic uh, Comicology if you want to go back and check them out, too. Yeah, the uh, arc is, I think, is called The Sounds of Violence. So, And that's the 2002 run of uh, Arrow. Yes. So. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, and it is, it's titled The Sounds of Violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, that whole cacophony story does wrap up, too, in The Widening Gyre, also written by Kevin Smith. So that's kind of that's like the, other one. the part yeah. three of that that huge story. So, And uh, for me, um, one of the things, because we talked about Darwin Cook, uh, I have to highly recommend, make sure, get a chance to definitely read New Frontier. And if going through the graphic novels are not your cup of tea, they did a beautiful, beautiful job of uh, adapting that into an animated film several years back. And uh, it is uh, definitely a must-watch. So, 
Uh, cool. So uh, let's get ready to wrap things up then and let's get out of here. But first off, Adam, uh, I want to thank you for joining us finally. Oh, thanks for on having the podcast. Me. Yeah, it, it was only took. Uh, yeah, sorry. It took... <laughs> sorry if it ran long. Oh, it's no, quite no, okay. it's, it, it was a fun episode. It's fine. We we had a lot to talk about yeah, this week. Totally. Um, you know, a lot of strong episodes to that we had to go over and and talk about. So I'm glad we actually got to spend a little bit of time. And I'm sure our listeners, if they're as fans of the show as we are, I'm sure they don't mind the conversation as well. Um, but uh, Adam, tell us a little bit more about Beach Pod and such before we get out of here. Give us your uh, your cheap plugs. Oh sure, yeah. Beach Pod uh, is uh, basically anything health and fitness related. So I each episode it comes out every I said every month when I started doing it. I've actually done uh, one every like two to three weeks at this point. So um, basically, each I, I am not an expert in the health and fitness industry, but I I uh, I like you to talk to them, talk about it. So. Uh, <laughs> I have uh, I basically have an expert from the health and fitness industry on each episode, and we pretty much just talk for about half hour to an hour, uh, and kind of try and uh, I pick their brain and and they dish out info. So it's really cool. If you're into any type of health and fitness, uh, looking to further it, looking to get started, um, it's a good listen. Yeah, and I can say too, just from personal experience, I've uh, I've listened to quite a few of them. I'm still like one or two behind, but uh, you know, just from the first couple that I've listened to, I've tweaked things about my diet. I've tweaked things about my exercise, uh, my exercise routines, and my workouts just from listening to this podcast. I so, have myself too. Yeah. Even so whether you're stuff, a professional so. in, in health and fitness or you're just looking to better yourself, uh, it's a great listen. I, I highly recommend it as well. And not not just because it's on the same day. And if you're doing any <laughs> obstacle course races or mud runs, uh, I talked to one of the best uh, Spartan racers and any kind of obstacle course racers this week, Hunter uh, McIntyre. Uh, so he set, shed some light on some training tips and, and everything like that. Very cool. So, yeah. I will, so, I will have uh, to start listening because, uh, yeah, I could take note. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rob, how about you? Uh, for me, uh, you can always uh, find more about us at The Caffeine Crew. Uh, it's thecaffeinecrew.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Caffeine Crew. And you can always email me at thecaffeinecrew um, the at gmail.com. And our podcast is a monthly show. It's a geek culture show called The Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods which will have another episode coming up in two weeks. They usually post at the end of the month. And always a big special thanks to George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com that we always thank him every week for our intro and our outro. Yeah, I got to listen yeah, to your and- Jelly Bean uh, podcast, but <laughs> when you were on there. I think we've mentioned that like for the past like two or three weeks, and I love it. Yeah, I got to listen to it. It was so much fun. Uh, but, of course, you can contact either Rob or myself to anything having to do with the podcast, whether it be recommendations you would like to recommend or any suggestions or even any opinions you have that might differ from our own. You can contact us at DC Primetime at nextlevelradioonline.com. Uh, I, myself, you can check out the, the Next Level Podcast Network at nextlevelradioonline.com or on Facebook, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline, where you can listen to past episodes of this podcast as well as other podcasts including the showcast which is the one that adam co-hosts with myself as well as our friend steve richards who is on that as well uh you can follow us on twitter at nxt level radio or you can email me ben at next level radio online.com uh next week we will go over the penultimate episodes of the flash and arrow of course episodes 22 of both as well as the season finale of legends of tomorrow uh and the next couple weeks following that of course i know robin mentioned it last week uh for the four weeks following the 
finales of Arrow and Flash, we are going to be doing what we are calling our annuals, Mm -hmm. where we will do full season recaps of Supergirl, Arrow, Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow. And uh, I Uh, guess we can make the announcement now if we'd like. So I I think pretty much it sounds like we're going to try to have TJ, who was on episode one, who was a huge Supergirl fan. So probably be joining us, I think, for the annual. We're going to try to hash that out. But we do know, for those of you that found us through... uh, DCR, I think Sean and Brian are going to join us for the Flash Annual. So, and uh, on top of that, I confirmed that I confirmed this this week when I went to go see his one man show. Uh, Craig Legans is going to join us for the Arrow Annual. Awesome, and uh, I think we're going to try to pull maybe hopefully Mannix in, who uh, was on another episode as well for uh, hopefully Legends. I think we're going to try to hash that out, and we have another thing to announce probably next week that'll be really cool if you're in the philadelphia area so i don't even know this one yeah so well, or do i you do but it hasn't <laughs> been right. made public yet so we'll, ah, we'll, okay. we'll we'll bring that up probably next are week. we inviting the listeners to our movie night well, we, I guess, we could i guess so <laughs> no i don't want to do that <laughs> but yeah sorry so, so yeah we, we'll uh, be, that'll, we have a i think we have something very fun coming up that we get to do I think uh, yeah, we'll be doing live. oh i know what i know what you're talking so, about we'll, yes, we'll announce that next week about. so Yes. Uh, So with that being said, we're going to get out of here. Enjoy the rest of your week. And of course, we will see you guys next week for the next issue of DC Primetime. Take care. Peace. See ya.